welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. And I wish I had some kind of noisemaker right here because it is almost New Year's. It is almost December 31st, not quite, so maybe the noisemaker wouldn't be appropriate, but I feel like we should have fireworks in the background or a brass band or something like that. It's almost the end of the year. I'm not the kind of person who like disparages the year. I feel like every you know, December, we get to the end and everyone's like, oh, this was the worst year ever. Here's to the new one. And granted, if there was ever a year to do that, 2020 and 2021 would be right up there, I think. I mean, I can definitely see the appeal of leaving those behind and hoping for good things in the future. But I also think that it's very easy to be disparaging or, you know, focus on the negative. And again, not not trying to say that these were the best years ever. These were a doozy for the entire world. But I don't necessarily think of the new year in that way, that like everything's going to change on January 1st. I'm not the kind of person to make resolutions. I feel like maybe those two things go together. Like if I want to make a change, I'll just do it when I feel like it. The new year doesn't really inspire that for me necessarily, but that's just me. So are you guys making resolutions? What are you doing to ring in 2022? And, you know, hopefully for the whole world, we can... I don't even know how to say that. (laughs) I don't even know what I want to say. Hopefully we can get the pandemic under control finally. We can move forward, not go back to normal, because as a lot of people have been pointing out, what was considered normal was maybe not what was best for uh, humanity and the world and all of that. So hopefully we can move forward post-pandemic and just bring forth the positivity, move forward in a positive way. That's what I'm hoping. But we're not there yet. It's not even New Year's Eve yet, although it almost is. So we are going to talk New Year's Eves around the world, New Year's traditions around the world. This is just one of those fun, informative episodes where we can get into all of the idiosyncrasies of different countries and different cultures, because these are the things that we're interested in. I know you guys are like me. We like to know these fun facts about different cultures because that is why we travel, to experience these kinds of things. So if you are not able to travel for New Year's, we can look at some of the interesting ways that different countries around the world celebrate. I was trying to remember, I've spent New Year's in only the U.S. and Taiwan and Greece. And like I mentioned in some of our holiday Christmas episodes, Greece didn't really do much for New Year's. Um, Again, it was one of those situations where everything shut down. I remember I was at like the one restaurant bar that was open with the friend that I was traveling with and he really wanted to watch some football game. So we found like the one place that was open that had Wi-Fi. We were the only ones there, I think, and he straight up opened his laptop and streamed a football game on his computer. And I ate donut holes covered in Nutella, which were on the menu. So that was New Year's in Greece for us that year. And then Taiwan has a very just like Western New Year's Eve, as far as I was aware with my time there. You know, parties, going out, stroke of midnight, fireworks from Taipei 101, the tallest building. But I was kind of wondering as I was putting this episode together why it's so similar to America and why there aren't any like weird (laughs) Taiwanese traditions. And maybe there totally are. Like I might just be unaware of that. But I spent probably, well, I guess I spent every New Year's that I lived in Taiwan there. So maybe five, five New Year's, New Year's is 
uh, New Year's Eye. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and every year it was just, you know, you find the friends you want to go out with. You go to a restaurant or a bar or a party or you try to be on a rooftop because you want to see those fireworks. But there was really nothing like strange, nothing that I wouldn't have done in the U.S., you know, if I was there. And I wonder if it's because Taiwan traditionally has a lunar calendar. So obviously now they use the regular calendar as the rest of the world, the Gregorian calendar. But traditionally, all of their holidays are lunar. So for example, Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year is usually in January or February of the year. So I didn't actually look into the history of this, but I'm curious if they don't necessarily have December 31st traditions because they have Lunar New Year traditionally, historically. Um, and so they just sort of adopted the Western or the American traditions for the, you know, uh, Gregorian rest of the world New Year's Eve on December 31st. Anyway, that's just my speculation that I was pondering as I was uh, making notes for this episode. So Taiwan, very traditional Western American New Year's celebration. Greece, everything shuts down. That was my experience. Um, so I would actually love to go to some of these places and experience these things that we're going to talk about. But first, little fun fact. I was curious as to what country gets the new year first. I remember in 2020 on the millennium, I was not, not 2020, what am I saying? 2000, the year 2000 on the millennium. I was nine years old and I lived in Maine at that point and it was a big deal to be the first, you know, right, right on the eastern seaboard there. So Maine was going to be one of the first places to get the new year. And in fact, there's a mountain, Cadillac Mountain, in Acadia National Park on the coast of Maine that is like the tallest. And so it was going to be the first to get the sunrise on the millennium. And of course, every day, but no one cares about it every day. We just care about being the first on that new year, on that new century. So people went to the top of Cadillac Mountain on uh, December 31st, 1999 to welcome January 1st, 2000, at, to the point where people were bringing ladders and you wanted to have the tallest ladder so you would quite literally be the first one. And I wonder if maybe like the tallest person on the tallest ladder, that is how obsessed people were about it. But anyway, so that was just in the US, which is definitely not the first in the world. Uh, the first in the world, the first country in the world to get the new year is Tonga and parts of Kiribati over in the Pacific Ocean. So the first countries to welcome the new year. And I was also curious, what is the last country or what is the last place to get the new year? That would be two uninhabited islands, uh, Howland and Baker Islands, which, fun fact, those islands are also connected to Amelia Earhart's disappearance. I can't remember exactly how. Either that's where she was supposed to show up or that was the last stop that she made. I can't remember exactly the connection, but that's okay because that is not what this episode is about. But there is an Amelia Earhart connection there with Howland and Baker Islands. But the last place that has um, people, that has a population there to get the new year is American Samoa. Fun facts for you. All right. I'm so excited. I feel like I'm just going gung-ho and talking really fast about these things. So I'll try to chill out a little bit, but these are all a lot of fun. So as you can probably guess, or as you are probably aware, there are some overarching trends in how countries celebrate the new year. Making noise is a very common phenomenon with fireworks or firecrackers 
or banging on pots and pans, music, all of those things. There are also lots of traditional foods that are eaten around the world. And we're going to talk about these in specifics in a second, but these are just the overall things that a lot of countries do. There's also specific drinks in many places. Of course, champagne is you know, prevalent in the Western world. Um, cleaning is a big theme. Newness, new clothes. We're going to get into all of this. So going back to the food, the foods that different countries eat are often associated with luck. So the one you may have heard of before, this is one of, I think, the most common um, things that gets talked about when you learn about New Year's traditions around the world. In Spain, people eat or try to eat 12 grapes at midnight during the 12 strokes of the clock. And tradition says that if they succeed, if they eat the 12 grapes before the chimes stop, they will have good luck for all 12 months of the coming year. I've also read that you're supposed to like make a wish or make a hope or intention for each grape that you eat. But honestly, 12 grapes in 12 seconds, I don't know how you have time to do anything but chew and swallow. But that is definitely associated with luck in general or 12, 12 months or 12 things that you are wishing for. In the south of the United States, black-eyed peas and pork are what you eat on New Year's because these are supposed to bring good luck or good fortune. And in many places, circles or rings are good luck in the New Year. So eating anything that is in the shape of a circle or the shape of a ring, for example, donuts, um, the idea being that like you're coming full circle or it's the end of the year circling around or things like that. In Dutch homes in the Netherlands, they eat fritters called olibolen. Olibolen, I think. That was hard to say. Um, But those would be round pastries to ward off evil spirits. In Ireland, they eat pastries called bannocks. A bannock is a type of bread, soda bread, quick bread. I've seen lots of different descriptions of it, so I imagine there are lots of different recipes, probably passed down in families, but some type of bread or pastry that is associated with the new year. In India and Pakistan, rice is eaten because it promises prosperity. And of course, you can see how these different foods or dishes are all Uh, associated or or connected somehow to the location anyway. For example, in Ireland, they probably eat a lot of bread or soda bread. Um, Rice is common in India and Pakistan. So it makes sense that it would be something that is very easily accessible to that location. In Switzerland, okay, this one is weird. I saw this many places. Dollops of whipped cream are dropped on the floor and allowed to stay there. I don't know how long. I don't know if it's maybe till the end of New Year's Eve or the next day or whatever, but the whipped cream is dropped on the floor and left there. And that is to symbolize the richness of the year to come, whipped cream being very rich and sweet. So I like that, although I think you should just eat whipped cream on New Year's. I don't know if you should drop it on the floor, but that's what is done in Switzerland. And I should also say that Um, If you are from any of these countries, please tell me if these are actually things that you do. I did double check uh, all of them, definitely most of them, if not all of them, to make sure that it wasn't just like a one-off thing that I was reading about that isn't even true. So most of these were verified in all different sources, but 
you know how it is with like very specific traditions. Some, sometimes it's like, yeah, technically we did this years ago, but no one does it anymore. So if you are from Switzerland, do you in fact drop whipped cream on the floor on New Year's? Please tell me. In Estonia, okay, Estonia has a really cool one. Uh, they eat a lot, basically. Um, you're supposed to, or traditionally, you're supposed to serve a certain number of dishes uh, associated with a lucky number. So the courses that you have or the number of dishes that you have should be seven, nine, or 12. And however many you choose to have, you are said to have the strength of that many men or that many women or that many people. So it's not so much the specific foods you're eating, it's how many meals or how many courses of the food. Can you imagine even seven is so much, but nine or 12 different courses or meals or plates that you're eating. I mean, hopefully if people are really practicing this, um, I assume they go into it knowing that's what they're getting into and have like, you know, a piece of bread for one course or something like that. But props to Estonia. I love that one. As far as drinks, and again, I I am skipping over so many. I read about so many traditions. I would love to talk about all of them, but in the interest of time, we're just hitting a few around the world. So drinks, like I said, champagne is flowing all around the world. But in England, some parts of the UK, wassail, which you might have heard that word before. I'm pretty sure that's in lots of Christmas songs. It is a punch-like drink named after the Gaelic term for good health. So again, all the foods and drinks associated with luck and good things and health and fortune and all of that. So good health. Um, I I like a situation where you can drink punch for good health. That sounds appealing to me. Similarly, a spiced hot pint is a warm drink that is the Scottish version of wassail, probably very similar. Again, they are drinking to prosperity and they would also share this drink with neighbors along with like gifts or things that you would bring to your next door neighbors. In Spain, cava, which is a sparkling white wine, is served to guests when they come to your house on New Year's and make toasts. So it is a toasting drink. It is a drink for guests. You can see trends here. You're serving food and drink to other people, goodwill, community. All of that stuff is very prevalent in a lot of these traditions. Now, another one of our big overarching topics around the world is cleaning. (laughs) We really love to clean for New Year's. Again, I get it. You know, like we're welcoming in the new year with cleanliness and order and moving forward and getting rid of old things, all that stuff. But I I do think it's funny, like on the surface, that we just clean our houses for New Year's. But we're starting the new year off right, getting rid of all the bad vibes of the old year. Japan is very frequently cited for this phenomenon of cleaning for the new year. In Japan, it's called Oshugatsu which is celebrated with family. So the family cleans together and decorates the entire house for the new year. They use natural decorations like pine branches and plum blossoms and bamboo. So you can see lots of like trees and flowers and grasses and all of that for the new year. In Puerto Rico, uh, not only do they clean their houses, they also clean their cars and their gardens and the streets and the whole town. Everything gets cleaned for the new year. I would love to know the logistics of that. Do you just go out and, you know, take part in cleaning your neighborhood or do they organize it for who cleans what? I'm very curious. In South Africa, this one is crazy. This is one that I definitely 
researched a little bit because I was like, this is so weird. This is probably just one article or one source throwing me off the track. But no, this is true. And it is a major uh, health and safety hazard. So they throw out old appliances, but you're supposed to throw them out like a top window or a high place. You're really getting rid of old things. So they throw appliances out of windows, including like furniture, TVs, fridges, etc. Anything you're getting rid of, that is how you do it. Save it for the new year. Toss it out an upper story window. Um, you can see how that would be a real danger, real safety hazard for the community in the neighborhood. Anyway, if you're from South Africa, tell me how that one works out for you. New clothes are also very common. Um, for example, in Vietnam and in Italy, you can see very disparate parts of the world, you know, countries that don't necessarily have much of a cultural exchange or history. They're geographically very far apart. Focus on the same things, getting a new set of clothes, wearing new clothes in the new year. Speaking of clothes, a lot of countries focus on one particular item of clothing, your underwear. I can't think of a reason why underwear specifically would be associated with the new year. You know, a lot of these, you can see the reasons behind them or the the thinking or the logic for them, but underwear... I don't know. If you can think of this or if you know, let me know. So in Italy, Spain, Mexico, Turkey, a lot of countries, you are supposed to wear red underwear on New Year's. Red is generally, again, around the world, um, associated with the New Year and with luck in lots of different cultures. They've independently maybe or through association have adopted that. In Brazil, you're not necessarily supposed to wear red because the color that you choose determines which specific success you will have in the new year. So, for example, red would mean good luck in love. Yellow would mean lots of money. So they have different benefits associated with the color of your underwear. Love it. So that was the food and the drink and the cleaning and the clothing. Those were some of the overarching themes for New Year. Now I want to look at some specific traditions in individual countries. So in Scotland, December 31st is a day known as Hogmanay. I hope I said that right. I, I did look up the pronunciation this time. Very proud of myself. So on Hogmanay, they have fireworks and a tradition known as first footing or first foot is the person who first steps in the house after midnight. This is a really old tradition, but it sounds like it might still be practiced. Um, again, if you're from Scotland, let me know. It is the first person to cross the threshold into one's home. They are called the first footer, and it's, you know, it's welcoming the new year. It's the first thing in the new year, going back to all of those themes. So different communities or neighborhoods or different part of parts of the country may have adopted their own variation of the tradition, but one of them says that if the first footer is tall, dark, and handsome... No, I'm... I added the handsome part. Um, tall and dark, the year will be a good one. But overall, it's just a big celebration of welcoming friends and strangers to your house, hospitality, and uh, I read one thing that says lots of kissing. So, go Scotland. Um, and the first footer can also come bearing gifts, uh, and the gifts have different representations. So, if you're bringing bread, it's representing like being full and satiated and having enough, bringing salt. Uh, salt is associated with wealth because it used to be so expensive and coal, coal being associated with staying warm and again, having abundance in the new year overall. 
in Denmark. Now, Denmark is interesting as well. I think all of these are interesting. In Denmark, people break dishes on each other's front doors on New Year's. So people will save their old dishes throughout the year. Don't get rid of it because we need to smash this. And I guess you go, I don't know, like you throw it really hard against your neighbor's door, your friend's door. I don't know, but you smash dishes on neighbor's doors and it is to bring, again, good luck and prosperity. But it's also said to be kind of a, like, maybe a popularity contest because you can see who has the most broken dishes at their doorstep means they have lots of friends. So go Denmark. Um, I also read that in Denmark, people jump out of their chairs at midnight to signify leaping into the new year, leaving the old year behind, all that stuff, but a very specific way to do that. So that is Denmark. In the Philippines, the Philippines is all about round things. So again, eating round food, carrying coins, wearing clothing with polka dots, everything is said to represent good luck, and circles specifically are associated with money, so bringing wealth into the new year in the Philippines. Colombia. Now, this is the perfect one for this podcast. In Colombia, if you carry an empty suitcase around the block on New Year's, you will have more travel in the coming year. So let's all do that. Go grab an empty suitcase, take a run around your block, and go book a trip. Go book a flight. In Ecuador and Panama, both of those countries have traditions of building scarecrows, maybe out of people that they don't like, representations of people that they don't like, and then they get burnt or lit on fire or set off with fireworks or something like that. So eh, that one's a little iffy in terms of representing real people, but again, leaving the negativity, destroying the negativity, and welcoming the new year without it. In the U.S., a lot of you are probably familiar, the U.S.'s big celebration is in Times Square in New York City, and the big shiny lit up ball dropping at midnight. This was cool to read a little bit more about as an American, because I've grown up with this tradition, always watching it on TV at my grandmother's house when I was little, the one time of year that I was allowed to stay up till midnight. Um... So it was really interesting to read some more of the history behind it, and it actually began in 1907 because New York City had banned fireworks. So they couldn't have fireworks. They were like, what do we do? Let's drop this big ball instead. But even that was not that unusual because apparently the idea of a ball dropping for a specific passage of time has a really long history. Uh, the first ever time ball was in England's Royal Observatory at Greenwich. Go figure. <laughs> of course, it was Greenwich if it has to do with time. In 1833. And that ball dropped at one o'clock every afternoon to allow ship captains to set their chronometers to the correct time. And around 150 time balls, as they call them, were installed around the world after this one in Greenwich, um, although most of them do not survive, and, and if they do, they, they probably don't work now. But they were used, you know, not hugely widespread, but a decent amount around the world, it seems like. And even the United States Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C. has a time, po time ball that comes down a flagpole at noon each day. So that's a really cool history that I knew absolutely nothing about. It's not just a random thing that they decided to do and adorn with Swarovski crystals to make it really shiny. It does have a really interesting tradition associated with time and marking time and moving forward.
And lastly, I do love a firsthand account. Uh, so I asked some friends who live in different countries or are from different countries what their cultural traditions on New Year's are. I was told that the idea of eating 12 grapes at midnight actually extends beyond Spain itself to countries with a history with Spain or colonization by Spain. But in many Latin American countries, they also do the 12 grapes at midnight. And this friend told me that in Honduras, or a friend of hers who was from Honduras, once gave her new underwear for New Year's. <laughs> Again, that whole idea of new clothes, but for some reason specifically underwear, is very prevalent around the world. So that's something that is practiced in Honduras and maybe Guatemala and other parts of Latin America. And she also told me that in France, because she lives in France now, uh, you are supposed to have a new dress for New Year's. If you are a woman, you are supposed to have a new dress. And it specifically has to be a dress, which is weird and heteronormative and all of that. Um, it can't just be like a new set of clothes in general. Also, new set of clothes, like, what is that, like the 1950s? New outfit. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. Um, and then also, appropriate for France, you are supposed to give everyone two kisses, the tr traditional two kisses on the cheek at midnight. So that is very sweet, very French. I love it. And in the Philippines, we already talked about how everything is associated with circles and being round for wealth and money in the new year. But a friend from the Philippines told me that everyone gets paper trumpets or like these paper noisemakers that they sell on the street. Um, and I, I was like, are these things playable? I was imagining like a real trumpet made of paper, but they're they're kind of just like noisemakers, like um, conical, triangular shaped noisemakers. Although I'm looking at a picture right now, actually, they do have some shaped like, oh yeah, that's like a legit trumpet or trombone. You could buy a full on paper trombone. So it seems like there are different styles, different, maybe different price points of these paper instruments. Um, and of course, these are just noisemakers to blow at midnight. Kids go crazy for them, she said, but it drives parents crazy. So that is another tradition from the Philippines. Again, we make noise all around the world. We love making noise on New Year's. So I hope that was a little fun for you. I definitely enjoyed it. And New Year's Eve is not necessarily a huge international travel time, I think. You know, most people are maybe with, with families or traveling to hometowns. We're not necessarily like waltzing off to a new destination for the new year. But it seems like it would be really fun to experience some of these traditions. So maybe maybe we should travel more for New Year's once the world allows it. And if I missed any of your cultural traditions, please tell me about them. I really, really want to know how you all celebrate, whether it's something that is your country has been doing for hundreds or thousands of years, or if it's something that has sprung up more recently or just in your own family. I really love hearing about how people celebrate and what is normal for everybody around the world. So with that being said, please send me your traditions. You can send them to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Going Out Your Door, or on Twitter at Going Out Your. We will be back in the new year with more tips and tricks and stories and advice and conversation. I am so excited. Actually, yeah, if this is our last episode, I feel like I should give a little bit of a, a conversation about how the first year has been. But really, I've just loved doing this podcast. It's opened me up to new friends and people that I've gotten to know around the world. I have learned so much. I've gotten to have really interesting conversations with people, and I just get so excited. I have this huge long list of topics that I want to talk about, and I get so excited when I look at it. So I hope you have been enjoying the ride. I hope you'll keep joining us in the new year. 
Again, send this to anyone you think might be interested. If you want your cousin to travel more, or someone has always been talking about taking a trip but they never do, send them this podcast. We want to get more people out and about and exchanging ideas and traditions and cultures and questions and all that stuff. Again, once it is safe to do so, when it is safe to do so. So. So here is to 2022. I am so excited that we are all ringing in the new year. Thank you so much for all the support, and I will talk to you next year on Going Out Your Door. <laughs>